And then I said, only another two inches, Cecil, and we'll be free! <laughs> oh. oh, that's how you got out. It is, yes. I yes, was yes, wondering. Yes. Man's got one hell of a clench. Um, oh, I see. Welcome back, welcome. boys and ghouls, to a Halloween... It's March. Uh, episode of Big Damn Cast, a pop culture podcast, nerdy news, geeky gossip. Nothing's happening. The world is still stopped, but some people have got chemicals in them that are going to help them get to the better aftertimes. Uh, not all of us, though. Have you had? Have you had any notification on on? Because we're sort of within the healthier bracket, right? We've we unless They're it's doing something to do with your work. By age group, so we're not going to get vaccinated yeah. until June, July at the earliest. I'm fine with that if it means that um i can sit back and watch all the gammons pretend that it's mind controlled them and put chips in them for a bit and, sure. and watch them flail um mum's had her first one my hey. dad's not had his yet he was due to have <clears> it <throat> and then like in, a, in a typical case of the left hand not knowing what the right was doing he <laughs> couldn't get it because he'd had covid within 28 days yeah you gotta like so, there's gotta be a period betwixt doesn't there so, so doesn't, yeah massively negatively affect you or, or reawaken anything that's so that was fun dormant uh we'll get but, it started um, yeah but that you know vaccinations are happening schools are opening this week that's gonna be fun yeah jesus um hopefully that means less crowded supermarkets during the day though because done about about top road and your end but our end there's a lot of kids going out with their parents to the supermarkets during the day. It's just roving because... gangs of wild children. Yeah. <laughs> roving gangs of violent grandmothers. Yes. Um, stripping the flesh from the young. Um, <laughs> and eating it in an attempt to survive the nuclear fallout. Oh, shit. Yeah, my name's um, Chris. Seriously, guys, fuck all happened this week. Johnson. My name is a secret known only to those who have crossed the veil of death. Or people who spray lemon juice on the paper and hold it above an open flame. <laughs> and we can read it. Ah, um, good old vinegar ink. <laughs> also known as Vinkiger. Um, not. It never will be. Uh, Vinkiger. Coming up, coming up, emails. Uh, emails. WandaVision, episode eight, spoilers. It's the penultimate episode, unless the Sherlock theory bullshit kicks in and we end up with a spare one. A spare um, episode? Yeah. Oh, I've got this spare episode of this incredibly expensive <laughs> TV show. Does anyone want it? I'm baffled by all the people this week who've been asking Kevin Feige at the um, thingy press, uh, whatever it was, event. Um, so, WandaVision Series 2, what are the plans? And he's having to very kindly kind of go, it's, the, it's, it's one series. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a one-off? It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a it one-off. A, it's, a, it's a one. It's a one. It's what would you want us to? What would you want us to do for a second series? Find a way for them to randomly homage more yeah. TV. Like that doesn't. No, that's not how it's going to work. It is a one. It is a thing. <clears throat> it is a one thing. He confirmed that though they are not greenlit, there are stories in place for Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki seasons two. So. That suggests to me that Falcon and the Winter Soldier will play a part in maybe Avengers I, films going forward. I think forward. it's more likely going forward that what we'll get now is like 
individual characters having shows and then the big team up movies. Once those characters <laughs> I'd ra- are established, I'd rather have that. I'd absolutely rather have that. But the 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 length of um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier six episodes may you that's know, like it, two it, films. Yeah, so it may be enough for them to go. Do you know what? Sod it. We could fit another season with these guys doing their own thing. Like, yeah. Why not? And Loki is open season, really, because he, it's set in another dimension. It's set in a completely separate reality from from the films. Because uh, they've, uh, confer- they've yes. confirmed in the synopses now that it's the Loki from the, the aborted timeline. Yes. The, the marinated timeline. The ma- and, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's fair game for him. Um, whereas the other stuff, I guess, yeah. But, hey, we've got Ms. Marvel. That's well into production. She-Hulk starts soon. Moon Knight, which they've yet to confirm the star of, but every article still uses a picture of Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Which is really weird, because it's like, huh? What? They've not said that's a thing, everybody. Yeah, it, 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 does, it does vex me slightly when news outlets treat things as confirmed when they're not. I mean, it has yet to be confirmed that Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina are in the third Spider-Man film. Yeah. I don't think we they know, are. We know they've had talks, but for all we know, that was a Sony producer trying to get them on board for a post-credits thing for an upcoming yeah. film for them. Like, I, I, I don't think they are, because I think we would have seen something. Yeah. Like, be it, I like, like, oh, that's news. That happened this week. Oh, what? The Spider-Man title got oh, announced. Oh, yes. Yes. That was, that was fun. That was a fun bit of trolling. Spider-Man, give Javier Ad your money, is the name of the film. Yeah. Um, go and see Morbius is the name of the girls. <laughs> Spider-Man, Morbius's Revenge. Oh, God, no. So, Tom Holland released on his Instagram official title announcement for Spider-Man, uh, the third film in the MCU iteration. And um, if I remember correctly, what was, his, what was the title he released? Uh... Let's have a little gander. A little gander. Mm. Um, because these have all these have all bled away since we all now know the actual bleeding title. Yeah. Uh, that was it. So he announced that it was going to be called Spider-Man: Phone Home. <laughs> Immediately afterwards, like within the next half hour, Jacob Batalon, who plays Ned Leeds, announced, saying he was proud to announce that the title is Spider-Man: Home Wrecker. <laughs> and these are all professional logos as well, clearly made by like the marketing team yeah. at, at, at Marvel and Sony, Marvel Studios. And everyone went, right, what's going on? And in a collective bout of people getting in on the joke, the internet collectively started to say, right, Zendaya, make your move, because they'd all predicted at this point that, come on, where's your title? And yet, within two hours, Zendaya posted out that she couldn't wait to announce that the title is Spider-Man Home Slice. Home Um, Slice. Which is very good. Two things came from this. One, a fun promotional video the next day. Yeah. Big points to them for waiting. I think it was quite fun. On the official Marvel accounts and Spider-Man account and whatnot. A a short film of Tom Holland uh, exiting the PR office for um <laughs> for the film to tell uh, Jacob and Zendaya that yeah 
they, they gave us the wrong ones. It's like, what? No. Oh, God. Is this because they, like, we always leak stuff? You always leak stuff. And they're just, like, talking about the fact they're all crap at keeping secrets and interviews and whatnot. No, Tom Holland's um, crap at keeping secrets and interviews and whatnot. Specifically, but because but, didn't he announce the Far From Home title? Um, it, was, it was either Far From Home or Avengers Endgame were announced by him, weren't they? And the, the joke promo video was him lifting up a letter from Marvel saying, like, guys, I've been sent this thing, and he reads it. He says, like, you can't tell anyone the title is just yet. And on the back of the letter is the poster. <laughs> and he's like, that's that's funny. And obviously it was, like, on purpose. But they're playing they're playing into the fact that he's crap at keeping secrets. Um, and they walk past a whiteboard covered in prospective title ideas, but specifically right slap bang in the middle, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Which is uh, a daunting title. It's keeping with the the thing. I guess this now means that the MCU Spidey is the home trilogy, because mm. that's now been in every um every thingy. Uh, some think it plays into the dimension hopping, because no way home. And and the, they've now released some official shots from the filming of uh, 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 Ned and MJ and Peter in various sort of shitty rundown locations like yeah crumbled buildings and you know kind of like they're either on the run or they're snooping in on something in civilian outfit and everything so i think it's a safe assumption to make that peter will be on the run for some of this movie <clears throat> yeah also jacob batalon looks like he's lost quite a bit of weight because i didn't recognize him at first i actually had a moment of is that yeah no of course it is huh um, so someone's obviously, for insurance reasons, had to do his own stunts, and they've definitely like gone, hey, Jacob, you could be doing a lot more in this film, and we panic over everyone's health. I dread to think of even like having to do one stunt scene for anything, just because I know a team of insurers will suddenly be like, so here's your workout plan, yeah. and here's your personal trainer, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I can be big man and fall on mats, right? That's not be, how it works. That's I not how it works, fall. unfortunately. Um, but yeah, fall. what I'm basically saying is, Jacob, you're looking good. Uh, well done, lad. Um, he looked good before, but, you know, he didn't look insurers not panicking good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You're just shaming the poor boy. I'm not shaming. J- J- Jacob Battalon is not a poor boy. <laughs> yeah. Poor boy. <laughs> He's um, not a poor boy. He's a very lucky, very talented boy. Man. Um, but here's the other thing. It's a very lucky man boy. Jacob's entire. It's a very a man lucky boy. man bear pig. He's a man... <laughs> You're super serial. Um, but Jacob, Zadaya, and uh, Tom's title reveals have fired up yet another conspiracy theory. Obviously, oh, they were a joke. No. Obviously, they were a joke. But if if I show them to you, good sir, on don't the camera here, me. I don't want them. People have noted the color scheme. The eventual title doesn't share any of these colors. No. And the colours are a deep purple, a very luminous green, and a metallic silver, which has got tongs a-flapping. What What are people saying now? People are saying that that's the colour scheme of a very specific Spider-Man antagonist. And I'm like, mm. Lizard? No. Oh. Sandman? No. Oh. Mysterio? Well, yes, but no, not him. Oh. Uh, I mean, that would make sense. Every Spider-Man villain that has a purple-green colour combo. <laughs> There's All quite a few of them. Um, but the the silver, the metallic silver, seems to be the thing pushing people over the edge a bit. 
toward technology, metal, a glider, perhaps. So mm. there's a green goblin theory going on now that the goblins evolved in some way. The purple doesn't fit with that, I don't think. Well, unless they're going comic book, <clears throat> then he's going to be adorned in purple. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Just because the two, the, well, the three previous movie goblins ignored the purple completely in favour of Power Ranger mech suit, hey. uh, hi- hiding the terrifying face of the actor <laughs> who, who's scary enough. Why the um, fuck would you get Willem Dafoe to play a villain and then hide his face? I'm sure I've said this to you. I found out the other week that apparently, and I'm, Lou and I have been teasing a rewatch of the, tr- of the trilogy, um, uh, apparently when he's Norman Osborn, he's wearing veneers. <clears throat> to even his teeth out. Okay. And when he's the goblin, uh, like when he's talking to himself in the mirror or when he's, you know, being evil and playing it cool, um, it's Willem Dafoe's normal teeth because Willem Dafoe has pronounced canines. Uh, so, of course so, he does. So they gave of his teeth he when he's Norman like a more average shape and then let him have his like gnashes when he's the goblin. It's mm. like that, I mean... Really? Really? Okay. And obviously, if it, if it if that is the case, it'll most prominently be in the scene where he's talking to his reflection. Um, yeah. So I'll have to keep an eye out for that. But yeah, he's in a Power Ranger suit with a scary face. I like that design, but it is sort of weird that they cast Willem Dafoe and then cover his face up. Yeah. Um, then you get Harry Osborn in basically <laughs> a skiing outfit. Winter yeah, Soldier, Winter Soldier cosplay. Mask. Jesus. It's like... Fine for what they were going for, but I hated the fact they referred to it as New Goblin in all the media, because it was like, he's not a goblin. Yeah. Little, go- little Goblin gob- Jr. Uh, There's nothing goblin-y <laughs> about him. No. And then Dane DeHaan, poor bastard, gets strung into a bunch of oh. cogs and steampunk wires, and as his yeah. hair gelled upwards to look like a hat, and it's it, like, what is this? It wasn't... It wasn't good... And he gets on the glider because it's a life support system? What? That film is... Oh. Yeah, it's... it's film. It... Amazing Spider-Man 2. The best Spider-Man film to watch with the sound off. Not pay attention uh... to. Just have it on in the background. You know, like when you're in, when you're in the lobby of a, of a, of a, of a business or, or in a hotel and you've just got a TV on in the background with no sound coming out of it. I don't know, because the problem is you are still watching Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, you're in the presence of it, but it's not taking your undivided attention. It's a great Spider-Man movie to have on while you have the info bar up at the bottom of the screen cycling uh, through the preview channels to figure something else out to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's <clears> not <throat> bad, actually. That's not a bad suggestion. And it's, it's a damn fine Spidey costume. It's a, um, it's a browsing film. Yeah, yeah. If it could just play on the Netflix menu while I go through all the options, then that'd be perfect. Good, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Green Goblin confirmed. No, no, not even, not, no, 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 it isn't. Shut up. Who do we, who do we think the villain is? Have we been given any indication? Like beyond, um, beyond, um, Thingy is allegedly in talks for. Thingy has been in talks for. I don't think we have actually. It's interesting that, isn't it? Like, by now, especially with the film coming out in December, you think they'd have gone, eh? Huh? I mean, for fuck's sake, in the run-up to Homecoming, one of our earliest episodes, we covered the fact that a shot had leaked. 
very easily avoided shot, a very easily avoided bit of paparazziing of the shocker being in Homecoming. But by that yeah. point, we are, by that point, we already knew that the vulture was going to be the villain. But but like we were seeing video evidence of oh the shock is it. Little did we know it was going to have the freaking scorpion and the tinkerer in it and Montana as shocker one. I'm just like <laughs> Jesus, there's a lot of Spidey villains snuck into this movie. Um, yeah, so, I think yeah. they've taken advantage of the fact that the COVID restrictions have kept the shoot fairly secure. I think they're going to take advantage of that to reveal as little as possible about the film until they're like they're ready to show off trailers and that. Is it uh, is it too early to do the Goblin again? Because I I I want him I, but only I, because I, I want to see him done right. I again. don't think it's ever the wrong time to do the Goblin. Mm. I think the Goblin is always valid. It's always turkey time. But, gobble, gobble. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't, I don't trust them to do it with any degree of. I don't know. It depends how much of it. it I don't trust Sony to do it with any degree of competency. So it depends whether Sony or Marvel's end of things is more in creative control. To be honest, I I kind of want them to bring him in. So that they can set him up and then spin Norman Osborn into a viable threat for the wider universe. Meaning they have to come to some weird contractual obligation where Sony still have to let them borrow Spider-Man for team-up movies. I think that's going to be the So we the can cling on anyway. to this version of Spidey for just a bit longer before they fuck it up with their Venom shit and <sighs> Morbius bullshit. Ah, Venom shit. <clears throat> Venom... Um... He's just shit on the carpet. Venom is rubbing it into the doormat and it's on your shoes. Venom. I, I can tell you a bit about a shit movie that <gasps> I watched this weekend. So remember last week I decided that I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Leprechaun and Leprechaun 2 because I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, or, in the words of, or in the words of Wayne from Wayne's World 2, I'm the Leprechaun. <laughs> Wrong accent, uh, Mike. We get it. You can talk in a Scottish accent. Yeah, well done. Just hold well done. it back. Uh, Chris, <laughs> you didn't do it again. Um, surely, come on. You didn't do it again. I watched Leprechaun three. He fucking went there, boys. Because it only had five days left on Prime. Oh, okay. Ah, oh, you had a ticking time bomb. Yeah, and none of the now, others are on Prime after that. So for those for those who didn't catch the other episode oh, or still didn't out. understand the premise. Leprechaun's a series of horror movies about a leprechaun who usually his gold is interfered with in some way, so he He's... goes on a murderous rampage to kill the people who did it. I want me gold! Um... That's that's better than what Warwick Davis does in that first film. <laughs> Accent-wise. Well, let me tell you, you should see the third. D- should I? It's Warwick Davis says it was his favourite to make. And of the three that I've seen... I don't want to say it's the best because that would indicate that I have some quality judgment on it <laughs> and that it contains some kind of competence or quality as a film, but it is definitely the most enjoyable of the three because it... I want me gold is what Warwick said in the contract negotiations. It's, it's Leprechaun in Las Vegas. Fuck off. <laughs> so, right. so the first one... It's the most backwards, enjoyable. Backwoods area, house in the arse end of nowhere is where the majority of the action takes place. There's a mine 
in the first one, isn't there? As well? No, there's a, he gets shoved down a well at the end. There it is. Um, what's the second one? Where's that set? Second one's set in Los Angeles. Sure. Okay. <laughs> because there's a you're two films in he's going to Hollywood let's go that's been transplanted from Ireland that is the one of the entrances to his lair and by the way there's no continuity between any, between any of these films other than the leprechauns in them <clears throat> and that's it if it is even the same leprechaun wait there's is, is there implication that it might not be or just from the well, lack of continuity there's never like, you don't... There's no... They don't address his gruesome deaths in previous films at any point in the next film. Yeah, but doesn't he come back in that age-old way of we see him die, but then we hear his voice over the credits or something? Not meaning a, he's somehow alive. No! Is there none of that shit? Like... <laughs> Is there not the, a rap song about the leprechaun and we just sort of hear him do a talking <laughs> monologue in the middle of it because it's like, an early 90s horror movie? The first one ends with him like being semi-melted after swallowing a four-leaf clover and pushed down a well. I remember that. It gave me no nightmares because I was and, 19. And then he like does a little spell to be like, ah, my soul's going to dwell in this well until a rhyme. and Rhymes. Okay, um, so, so, so he's... The end of the first one goes... He's here in this well to be awakened in a sequel. And in the, in the second one, he's just in his lair <laughs> and pops out into Los Angeles out of the middle of this tree because it's his 2000th birthday and he can claim a bride on St. Patrick's Day. What year? What year uh, was this movie? 1994, 93? Predating Bride of Chucky. Because I was wondering whether or not it was like a it was a trend chaser. Because no, again, no, it was predating. Bra- there, there is there is no there is no trend here to be chased. Except, that is except, except except a bride, chase a bride. It's a leprechaun force in space, so it follows that kind of trend of like eventually the franchise goes to space and then comes back to the hood. Y- yes, and then goes <laughs> back to the hood. Yeah, it does. It um, really does. Which are not uh, both in space. In the hood and back to the hood, <laughs> and not on Netflix, uh, not on Amazon Prime, sadly. So I couldn't sample those delights. Um, but Yet. yeah, at the end, of the, at the end of the second one, he explodes after being stabbed with an iron rod because cold iron is a leprechaun weakness now. Yet the rules are also different between each film. Right. So the reason so th- why the reason why horror icons endure is because they sort of like they have kind of a rule set. And it means it's easy for you to just sort of go here's the here's the basics. It's all you need to know. As long as we hit those beats, we can just have fun doing weird kills and having weird characters and teenagers having sex doing this, that, and the other, and la 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 la. As long as we stick to like, oh, he's only in their dreams, or he's silent and he has a machete, or he's he's a soul in a doll, or you know, like they, they stick to the rules and you know they work. But they don't even stick to the rules in these movies. They just pull new rules out of their ass as and when. Like in the third one, if you get bitten by a leprechaun, you'll turn into a leprechaun. What? <laughs> so what? The the male lead gets bitten by the leprechaun, and I think it's impl- I think some of his blood, some of the leprechaun's blood, gets on the bite. And I don't know whether that's so whether it's because he's bit been bitten or because some of the blood gets on the bite. The, the leprechaun bleeds green, by the way. 
Of course. Um, of course. So yeah. it's his lucky color. I yeah. imagine he probably says at least once in one of these movies. Um, and uh, he slowly begins morphing into a leprechaun, like slipping into an Irish accent and growing sideburn, like ginger sideburns and funny teeth. So, and le- so get, leprechauns and are gaining werewolves. magical powers and a a a, a, um, a, 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 a he, can, he can smell gold. <laughs> And uh, an overwhelming uh, hunger for potatoes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Jesus, no. Like, he's a dismay. Why? <laughs> because the leprechauns f- like potatoes. Roast-suckling <gasps> potatoes. Um, uh, I'm not going to explain the plot of leprechauns. No, you are. Right? Okay. You are. Okay. <laughs> you are. Because you need to make sure that it wasn't time spent in vain. So <laughs> So so he's so he's he's been down a well. He's been hanging around in Los Angeles. Where is he in the third one? Where, where's his where's his the new third one opens territory with of terror? A is it there's a dude who owns a pawn shop on the strip in Las Vegas. P A W N, not P O R N. Shame. Uh uh, it is hmm, an incredibly racist Indian stereotype played by an Argentinian man. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> oh Christ. Complete with dodgy Indian accent. Um, <sighs> and okay. and oh, in, yeah. in, a, in a bizarre detail, when you go into the back of his shop, he has a framed picture of the Queen. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Um, is that meant to be like a... Like a Indian occupation it's just, it's, joke it's, or something? It's just a like... background detail. What um, the hell? So, yeah. Um, and this dude comes into his shop with an ugly-ass leprechaun statue that's got a funky medallion around its neck. And okay. he's like... And this guy has got, like, one eye and one leg and a hook hand. Fucking hell. And he's like, give me some money for this statue. I need to buy gas to get out of town. And the pawn shop owner's like, this is a hid- this thing is hideous. I'll give you twenty dollars for it. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, alright, fine. And he's like, Don't take the medallion off the statue. Alright. Um and so of course as soon as the guy goes, he takes the medallion off the statue and starts examining it. And the statue turns into the leprechaun. Oh, and Leprechaun's sake. like, ah, and buggers off and leaves his pot of gold behind and the guy gets into the gold and then there's a whole sort of like weird like opening sequences. <laughs> it's like this sort of standoff slash um, this this pawn shop owner like fending off the Leprechaun <laughs> after, after becoming increasingly injured because he took one of his shillings. Um... And eventually the leprechaun kills the dude, but he can't find the shilling that the dude took. Because um, he's, he's one gold shilling short. So, um, so, 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 right, so where we are currently yeah. is the leprechaun has no set set of rules, but somehow he's all statued until yeah. someone takes a medallion off of him. Yeah, a cold iron medallion, presumably. Yeah. Well, presumably the... the the rules don't apply. Who knows? Anywhere. So he's suddenly freed. He fucks off. The guy gets at his gold all up in that piece. 
takes one and then gets killed for his trouble. And then the leprechaun's like, well, I'll just... Oh, wait, shit. Well, in, oh, in between oh. attacks, but in between fending off attacks from the leprechaun, it's like after he's had most of like his earlobe and one of his toes bitten off, <laughs> this bandaged up shopkeeper learns about leprechauns by watching some weird sort of pseudo flash animation on his computer about how leprechauns are very territorial and don't like other leprechauns and they eat potatoes and their power is in their guts. It's basically just like this weird flash animation web video in 1995. Like those those Winnie the Witch CD-ROMs we all used to play with as kids where you could click on the houses. Yeah, basically. This one just tells you about supernatural um, murderers. Just about leprechauns. Um... (laughs) Very, very bizarre. Then this guy, this guy is driving this 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 spod who turns out to be our uh, uh, lead is driving through Las Vegas on his way to start college. Spot. And he picks up he picks up this this uh, our female lead who's a magician's assistant and she's but her car's broken down so she's gonna be late for work so he picks her up takes her to the casino sneaks sneaks him into the casino which he shouldn't be in because he's too young. Um, even though they're all clearly thirty five. Uh, <laughs> he gets so enamoured by it. like the the male lead in this is such a dipshit like he's just cluelessly fucking stupid he cashes the cheque for 23 grand that his dad gave him to, for college and fucking bets it all and loses it all and then goes to the pawn shop to pawn his watch like the 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 girl who's running the the um the craps table, I guess, that he's on, who is yeah. also, who also wants to fuck the magician that the <laughs> female lead works for and hates the female lead. Like, there's a whole sort of relationship thing going on there. Um, it's like she sends him to the pawn shop to pawn his watch so he can get some money and, and go back. And then he finds the shilling. And now, apparently, if you've, if you, you, you if you have. A leprechaun's gold shilling, you can make one wish and it will come true. But is, was that in the first one? Wherein several elements of the plot involved someone taking his gold? No! Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, God. <laughs> and in the second one, you can get three wishes. A leprechaun has to grant you three wishes, like a genie. And that doesn't come up again here. But it just—it basically just becomes like a, a thing of like the shilling constantly changing hands and the leprechaun trying to find it and killing people who have it, but after they've already gotten rid of it, and like and and there's some—it's—it's it's weird, like it's weird and wild, like that's why it's in, as enjoyable as it is because it is just fucking bonkers. Like at one guy, like at one point, like the casino owner, like he's. He, he tries to use his wish to get the female lead into bed, but the wish wears off before he can seal the deal. And and, and then so and so she runs out on him, and he's all like, uh, uh, and then the leprechaun uses magic on the TV to make this sexy naked woman crawl out of the TV to the dude, all while the leprechaun is in different infomercials on the TV while this dude is cavorting with Sexy Lady. And then suddenly Sexy Lady is a weird robot thing with, like, a sex doll face and boo- and just, like, boobs. And, <laughs> and electrocutes him to death. 
What? So the leprechaun's Freddy now? I guess, basically. But you don't have to be in a dream. Like, <laughs> he, the, the, um, the croupier lady who wants to fuck the magician, like, wishes to be, like, look younger and sexy, because apparently she's past it. Um, which they just, they just... How old is she? Roughly? The actress looks like late 30s, early 40s, maybe, but uh, they so just dress her for Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she wishes to be young and sexy, which just consists of her, like, having a haircut and being in a tight blue dress. Um, and then just... the leprechaun, like, kills her by making her lips, butt, and boobs... Uh, grow so big that she explodes. Um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it is fucking bonkers. Are the practical effects fun? The effects are great. Like they're yeah. really fun. Um, and Warwick Davis is clearly having a whale of a time. They shot the whole thing in fourteen days. No fucking way. This is at like hour, hour and a half, roughly, right? Yep. Even so, that's impressive. Yep. There are no recognisable people in this fucking cast, by the way. The female... Not even Warwick Davis, because he's covered in makeup. It was the female <laughs> lead's third film, and she retired from acting after oh, this film. Oh, no. Which is weird, because I think she's all right in it, but hey, whatever. Um, she's probably like, God, that was the most intense 14 days of my life. Is that what all movie-making things are like? I'm not doing this again, bye. Look, it is... <clears throat> Jesus, 14 days. It is awful. Oh my god! So how does it conclude? How does does does, does Clueless McGee get his end away with magician's assistant, and the leprechaun is banished to yet another situation that doesn't play into the fourth film at all? Uh, yes, Clueless McGee. Uh, uh, while while meta- while metamorphosizing into a leprechaun, they get territorial over the gold, but then um there's the the final sort of confrontation is in the magician's theater um and oh fuck it up. in 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 a bizarre case of Chekhov's gun actually working in one of these really poorly slapped together films like the script's actually quite funny it makes no sense but it's quite funny yeah um uh <laughs> There's like one-liners so, and sight gags that the writers yeah. clearly and like there's, there's I'd a, love to put this in something someday. Like there's a double act of um, like a mob boss and his enforcer who are putting pressure on the casino owner who just turn up and just are really fun to watch. Yeah, okay. But then they get beaten up by the leprechaun and disappear from the movie after that. Um, oh, which I don't know if they get the killed. Even more. They just disappear. Uh, I don't. They just don't turn up again. Um, <laughs> so. There's a there's a there's a thing earlier on where the magician that the female lead works for is 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 like a fucking hack, and he's bad, and a dick. But, but he got a placement in Vegas. Seriously, the worst people fail upwards. I, tell I know, you. right? <laughs> um, it's not a good it's not a good theater. Uh, <laughs> so he when she turns up for work at the start of the film, he's like got this flamethrower. And he's like, I'm going to do, we're going to do the vanishing cabinet trick, but I'm going to set the cabinet on fire. <laughs> and then the casino woman is like, uh, no, you fucking not. You are not setting my future headliner on fire. Because the casino owner's got eyes for the magician's assistant and he's like, wants to make that. He's like, I'll help you be a proper magician, not just an assistant if you 
Fuck me. Um, oh, yeah, tail as old as time. So he's romantic. a gross old dude, but it's okay because he gets electrocuted later on by a robot with tits. Um, uh, so Why is he allowed an honourable death? In a rare case of Chekhov's gun, <laughs> uh, Clueless McGee uses uses this this flamethrower that's part that's part of the magic act that ends up not getting used yeah. to melt the leprechaun's pot of gold and by oh. extension melt the leprechaun oh but him and the female lead when they walk out and and of course cuz he that that destroys all the magic that had happened so he stops turning into a leprechaun and goes back to normal. And then he walks out with the, with the magician's assistant female lead girl, but they still have a shilling, and then she's about to make a wish, and then she's like, nah, actually, I'm not going to make a wish. Mm-hmm. And then they walk off into the sunset together. And that's the film! Oh! It's awful! So no no tag, no oh. tease, it just ends on nope. a, we beat the monster, I'm not risking this just in case, let's go and live. <laughs> and then the okay. next one is in space. Yeah course it is of course it is of course so it is. of course matt leprechaun 3 1995 they made they made these they cranked these out one a year is leprechaun leprechaun's 93 leprechaun's 93 leprechaun 2 is 94 leprechaun 3 is 95 and leprechaun 4 is 96 no surprise if the bloody production window was literally a a fortnight that's like that's they'll have done it in 20 days like a day getting everything there (laughs) you know um what's it seven days uh, 14 days filming couple weekends during that period and then a day to get everything out of there just <laughs> oh that's insane it, that's it, absolutely insane it is but it's no longer on prime but at, at this rate get... warwick davis probably just stayed in the makeup for two weeks he's like i just saved time honestly <laughs> if you if you get a chance it's at, it's 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 probably it'd probably be a good like drunk popcorn movie how many, of you, how many of them have you seen, and how many of them are there? Have you got the series up there? I've only seen... Because um, <laughs> I've seen Leprechaun. That's that's it. I've seen the I've, first I've, one. I've seen the first three, be- again, because they were on Prime. <laughs> but there's... Amazon's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> there's six in the original. Right, so it's, um, it's Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2... Leprechaun, Leprechaun three, Leprechaun, Leprechaun four, four in, space. in space, Leprechaun in the hood, Leprechaun in the hood, Leprechaun back, back to, the, to hood. the hood. Yeah. Then they did, um, in 2018 they did Leprechaun Returns, which is a sequel to the original. Okay. Like Halloween 2018 style, like it takes place in the same house, like in the, in the same place, like they knock the house down and then the Leprechaun escapes from the well. But that doesn't star Warwick Davis. Was that the first one under the um, the WWE production? Uh, I'm not thingy? sure if that because the the because because the, the, then there's Leprechaun Origins or Leprechaun yeah, Origins. No, that's the WWE one, which I don't actually think has anything to do with the other. Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's yeah. a reboot. Yeah, yeah, that's a fresh reboot like that. It has nothing to do with um the other um the other Leprechaun movies. Yeah. 
That's weird. So there are, there's at least at least three actors who've played the titular leprechaun then. Yes, but in the first six films, yes, the first six films, oh, Jesus uh, it's it's Warwick Davis, and then it's not in the others. I just I can't quite believe that it got to that point. But here's the thing: I bet the budget for each of them is relatively small, and that's why. Yeah, budget for the first one was a million dollars. Box office in the U.S. alone was eight point six million. So that's a success. That, like that is a success. That, that, there the must studio, be a the reason studio, why they kept making these things. Post marketing costs and everything. That means the studio profited at least four million from the making of the movie. So that is a success. It's not huge, but it's still a profit. A profit was turned. Hence why there'd be more. Oh God. I just and it's got a cult following in the states because it's often apparently broadcast on St Patrick's Day on at least one network every year. Sure. Sure. But if you if you're gonna watch one of them, watch the third one. You mean you don't want to watch him rapping in in, in uh, Leprechaun in the Hood? I mean, I've not seen that yet, so I might change I've, my mind. But I've seen I've seen clips from that enough to be like, oh geez, oh that happens. <laughs> That's a thing that exists. Yeah, you should. Uh... Oh, it might be worth it. Might be worth taking a look at some of them. Oh, I didn't realise Leprechaun Origins came out before Leprechaun Returns. Yes. Wow. So they attempted a reboot, nothing happened, and then they did another one in the original series. Oh my in Leprechaun Returns, Taylor Spreetler plays the daughter of Jennifer Aniston's character. Yes. Why? Because they <laughs> couldn't get Jennifer Aniston to come back. Um, oh god, Linda, Lyndon Porco, who takes over the role of the Leprechaun in Leprechaun Returns, was only like 21 when he made the film. That, that doesn't surprise me. I know Warwick was young, but he wasn't like in his early 20s, was he? It was 91. Oh, wait, oh, he might have been actually, yeah. Because he was only a kid when he made Return of the Jedi in 82. Yeah. Holy shoot. What a weird thought. <laughs> you know what else was a weird thought? Uh, does it rhyme with Bonderision? No. Oh. Although we're going to get there. We will. But first you watch something else. Yes, I was... Disney Plus. A weird (laughs) thought was when I was on... I was flicking through Disney Plus. I was like, oh, Star's out. I'll see what's on Star. I'll see if there's any decent horror on Star. (laughs) Well... No, no. Ooh. The Strain. Uh-huh. The 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 TV show uh, Four Seasons that was based on the trilogy of novels by Chuck Hogan and Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Um, a- a- AKA everyone's favorite Krampus. Everyone's everybody's favorite Krampus, and I ended up <laughs> over the course of the weekend uh, watching the first season. And starting the second season and watch the first episode of the second season. How many episodes for series one, sir? Thirteen. Ooh. Okay, so you ploughed. Yep. You ploughed. Um, All right. Thirteen episodes in season one and two, and then ten episodes in season three and four. Um, it's good. I like it a lot. What's the I, plot? I, I like it What's a lot. The plot, the plot is um. The plot so there's is, a leprechaun in a pawn shop. There's a leprechaun in a pawn shop in Las Vegas. No. Um, plane turns up. Kennedy Airport in New York 
It lands and then immediately goes dark. Like, nothing, no communication. All the windows closed, etc., etc., etc. So, it's, so, so it's, they, like, it's, it's like it, it was just parked. Yeah. Lands and then... Oh, what the hell? Yeah. Response team comes in. Uh, and then the CDC end up um, going in first because they managed to convince that it, there's a biological risk. Uh, head, team headed up by Ephraim Goodweather, who is played by Corey Stoll. Oh, yeah. You may know the Wasp, who has a wig in this. Like, a famously bald man, but they give him a wig. They wig him up, baby. Thankfully, it's a really good wig. Um... <laughs> Uh, he's uh, he's a recovering alcoholic. His family's falling apart. He's married to his work, etc., etc. Uh, they and got then, the and, then he, and then he got this role in the film. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to... um, <laughs> so he, he goes on the plane, um, and two hundred ten passengers and crew all dead. No sign of a struggle. No sign of anything painful. Everyone is just dead. Snakes did it. Um, apart from four people who wake up. Oh. Um, Wait, so put, wake up from death or wake up as though they were Wake asleep? up from seemingly being dead. Okay. Um, so they put those people into isolation. Bodies to go to autopsy. And it soon becomes clear... As the people, so the people who go into quarantine are released earlier than Ephraim would like. Um, and there's a weird old dude, who's, of course, he's played by, um, what do you call him? Weird old man. Uh, first Doctor. Wait, David Bradley. What? David Bradley. Oh, right. Hey. Not that one. How dare you? Not the proper one. You no, know I mean. come on. That's Richard um, Herndall. Richard Herndall is the once and future first doctor. Thank you very much. Just saying. Sucking his pineapple. Just saying. Um, yeah, Susan David, goodness, Mitch. It's a weird old... Weird the old, strain. Weird old dude played by David Bradley who tries <laughs> can, to... Can we take a moment to just sort of take a shot of respect, everyone, for David Bradley adding yet another weird old dude role I to mean, his resume. I mean, it's a hell of a weird old dude role. Uh, he tries to warn Ephraim that he's got to destroy, like, burn all the bodies and, and and make sure they don't get released. But, of course, he's a crazy old man who sounds crazy. Um, and he knows he sounds crazy, but he's got to try. Um, so, sure enough, the uh, the four who get released from quarantine all start to change. And the dead bodies in the morgue start to wake up and it's a vampire it's about vampires it's about vampires oh shit it's, okay it's, it's vampires um as like a parasitic wormy virus thing and right it's okay. basically vampires as plague it's ba- yeah it's a bunch of and it's like oh there's been a conspiracy to like bring the vampire plague to new york and start to take over um it's it's pretty cliche in parts, but it's fairly well executed. It's got a really good cast. Yeah. Um. Again, D- David Bradley, Corey Stoll. Um, Corey uh, Stoll's wig. Corey Stoll's wig. 
Um, Jonathan Hyde is 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 a is a is a one of your villain dudes. Um, okay, all right. Uh, the 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 improbably and yet fantastically named Eldritch Palmer. Shut up! That's not a name. He's of called, a human being. He's called Eldritch. <laughs> um, Kevin Durant is in there as uh, a lot of people's favourite character um, and definitely one of the best characters in the show, uh, Vasily Fett, who's like a rat catcher who notices that something's going wrong before the breakout starts properly because all the rats are fleeing New York. Um, and it's just it just does a good job of like taking ideas about um vampire lore and sort of twisting them a little bit and making them fun um you've got the 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 master vampire who's called the master because of course he is of course he he's is this massive fucking horrible <clears throat> creature voiced by um oh hulking cgi behemoth uh, hulking uh, lots of practical effects actually ah. lots of really really neat practical effects um who's voiced by robin atkin downs and played by a variety of um puppeteers <laughs> puppeteers and performers in like there's some really really neat practical effects in this actually um like because it you remember all the weird stuff with blade 2 yes that yeah. Guillermo del Toro did with like Weird split open vampire mouths. And yes, oh yeah. Vampire autopsies and all that. Yeah, that's all here. Yeah, but we, we, on, like on a, it's they're doing all that kind of stuff again. Like it's definitely you're looking at like the vampire designs and this and going, hmm, yes, yes. The co writer, the co creator of this made Blade Two. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this like, is definitely it's 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 they're not going for the sexy seductive vampire thing. We're we're in the realm of these people grew up with Fright Night, so yeah. towards, vampires yeah. are going to look creepy. <laughs> towards the end of season one, are like black clad vampire special forces turn up. <laughs> like, oh, okay, we're doing this. All right, <laughs> here we are. Here's your Matrix boys and girls. Um, but no, it's got the vampire designs are really cool. Like, there's. <laughs> so you, and you get so you get to see the metamorphosis from human to vampire from a couple of different points of view, like the four passengers who, who quote unquote survive, and um, like one of them is like a shock rocker, like a Marilyn Manson style shock rocker, um, uh, and is as much of a piece of shit as uh, Marilyn Manson turned out to be, um, uh, and you like you just get this whole thing of like him becoming more and more, uh, like him realizing that he's pale. Skin is not pale. Is not pale makeup anymore, and uh, yeah, his dick straight up falling off. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. The vampires don't have sex organs. Um. <laughs> uh, like and it's like it. They they did the twist in it a bit, like being these parasitic worms in your blood, and like the vampire's blood turns white hmm. because there's no like of the hemoglobin stuff in it and um but there's also psychic bits and things like that um uh the like the way that the vampires feed is like this gigantic stinger that comes out of their mouth so they've got basically got a tentacle tongue yeah that they shoot out 
So, you know, weird. Very, bla- very Blade 2. Like, weird. Like, it's, it's very Blade yeah. 2. Like, there is several vampire autopsies, like, lots of gooey practical effects and big, oh, big open mouths and weird shit. It's, yeah, it's, if you like Blade 2's take on vampires, there's a good chance you will like The Strain. Yeah. Um, David Bradley is a cool old guy with a silver sword hidden in a cane who lops off vampire heads left, right, and center. Like, it is... It's it's pretty fucking neat. And, um... Yeah. It, it, I am, like, sort of aware of the places the series goes, and it it goes places. <laughs> like, they... They, uh, this isn't just like, oh, a plucky group, stop the vampire outbreak. It's like, no, no, that's not what happens. <laughs> they take it a different direction. Um, but yeah, Sean Astin, isn't it? Hey! Um, quite a little bit. Uh, uh, and other people as well who are good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's And, it's, and Guts and Gore? It's, uh, yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, um, there is a scene in the first episode where a dude is fed on, drained dry, and then has his head crushed. Lovely! Which you then get a loving look at later on in the next episode when they find the body. It's... Yeah, it's... it's, Things that you like about Guillermo del Toro's projects, because he's the executive producer on this, like plus like the TV format of being able to tell a longer form story. It it being on FX originally, so like not having to worry about it being too violent or too like whatever. It's it's good. Hmm. I'm I'm a season in and it's good. Whether it stays good or not, we'll find out. But at the moment. It's good. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an episode into season two, and it's good. Available now on Disney Plus. On Star. On Disney Plus. On, Di- on Star on Disney Plus. <laughs> on Disney Plus. Sorry, so enough of that rambling. Let's talk about Disney Plus. Oh, why? What they've been doing as well <laughs> is the strain. They released the enough strain. Enough of talking about Disney Plus. Let's talk about Disney Plus. Uh, let's not talk about this TV show that came out fucking ten years ago. Um... <laughs> Now let's talk about the TV show that's coming out right now on Disney Plus. Let's talk about episode eight of Wonder Vision. Yeah, if you are listening to this after Friday the fifth um, of March, then you've already seen the next one. So shut your mouths. We're yeah. here to talk about episode eight of Wonder Vision. One Wonder Vision. Um, the penultimate episode, uh, wherein. It's just Wanda and Agnes. It's just these two. Uh, Wanda and who, sorry? Agatha, all along. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is my, this is my phone wallpaper. has been for a while, right? It's a That's Wanda and Vision good. thing. Yeah. This has been the background for a week. Agatha, all along, instead. That's so. very good. Yeah, because it just makes me happy, and that tune is stuck in my head. And I watched a brilliant little... Uh, I can't remember what someone brought it up on one of the Discords I run, where they... Uh, the 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 theme music the bing 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 chord progression and how it's been 
wormed into every piece of original music mm-hmm. for one division including all the themes and then it comes back at its most active in Agatha all along as the and it's in it it's in that more than any of the others um and you realize that oh it's not just because they've picked a you know a little thematic through line it's because they've been trying to tell us from the start that Agatha's been there <laughs> the entire time and then we hear her music and realize Oh, it's not the themes for One Division. It's Agatha's theme. Yep. It's just been hidden, and we didn't know because we didn't know it was her yet. Um. So yeah, obviously, suffice to say, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for One Division episode eight and all the preceding episodes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Wanda's depowered. She's between a bunch of runes, and she can't do her magic in Agatha's creepy witch basement. Um. Oh yeah, and we also get a flashback to Agatha's origins? Question mark. Which yeah, really we, we, has we see... no bearing on anything else in the story so far, but hey, whatever. I mean, it's interesting because we see... Because uh, comic book Agatha has ties to Salem and the, like, the time of the witch trials and you know, the Seven yeah. Sisters and all these things. But we kind of see a twist on it because this Agatha ain't the same as the comic book one, guys. No, this, she's this, not... this Agatha's a bad guy. So yes. they're doing something different. Um, but it starts with her being taken to, a, to what we think is going to be like a, a wooden stake kind of thing. She's being corralled and, you know... It, it lets you know that it's Salem and everything. You're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. But the twist is, it ain't a witch trial in the way you're thinking. It's a bunch of witches <laughs> bringing her to this this place where she's tied to tied to the spot, and they're basically like, "You're dangerous as feck. We're going to kill you." And one of the witches, head of the group, is her mum. So they're just flat out going, "Yep, yeah, witches exist in the Marvel universe." I mean, come on. Sorcerers I mean, already we, existing we guys. That, like, fair, yeah, it's... here's where we are. Deal with it. Um, and yeah, they, she, because she's done something already, hasn't she? She's like killed someone, or, or she's she's uh, she stole a book, and saw and sought knowledge above her station. There you go. So she's a witch, and the other witches are going, uh, "Witch, please, like, <laughs> know, know your place." So they're all zapping her in an attempt to execute her, and then their zappy zaps go to the purple colour that she has coming out of her hands, and they all shrivel up like goddamn raisins, um, which is a pretty horrific uh, practical uh, dummy as well in one shot, where it just lingers on it, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, that's there's some lovely horrid. squeaky effects. Like, that sequence has some lovely squeaky effects. Doesn't really matter about, doesn't really matter, but hey, whatever, I'm di- I dig it. Yeah, she um she she uh pleads to her mum even after she's done that you know she's changed teach me show me what to do and her mum's like no I've got to kill you you abomination and then she does the same to her mother and kills her and then we come back and it's like there you go wonder that's me okay so uh magic bondage um tell me how you do it come on how you do it uh... I'm gonna pull you I'm gonna I'm gonna bug you with a fly <laughs> a fly that I turn into a dove. And then throw into the mouth of a rabbit that eats it. Because, um, yep. Senor Scratchy. Um, well, Wanda is responsible for Westview. She is responsible for it. But since it began, uh, at least in terms of the magic at play, but since it began, Agatha's been tinkering with it and tweaking it. So Wanda's been yeah. doing shit and this witch has gone, oh my God, you're super fucking powerful. Just going to pop in here, set up camp, figure out what to do with you, see what's, nudge things in the right direction a little bit. Um, uh, 
our theory going on was that you know we, we thought that there was someone obviously pulling the strings and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, she's in my head. Probably still Wanda. Maybe we don't know the extent to what Wanda's done because even Wanda can't quite remember her life before Westview. Like she she knows of Pietro because they've reminisced I and everything, but she she still doesn't remember how this all began. Every time she's been pressed for information, she's like, I don't know. So Agatha this week is like, right, let's find out. Yeah. Let's go right back to the beginning and figure out your journey. I think the implication in the wake of this episode is that Wanda is not consciously doing it. Apart, I mean, because yeah. part of why Agatha's mm, so interested like, in she she is, but someone else pulled the trigger. Like she she it's she's been set loose to do this yeah. thing, and I she's not entirely of, sure how. Like a, yeah, a lot of what is going on isn't under her like direct conscious control. It's just happening because she wants like she knows what she wants to happen, and that her powers just sort of take care of it. Yeah. And and we're informed by the person she is because, as we see the very first flashback, we're taken back to the uh, apartment in Sokovia where young Wanda and Pietro grew up with their mum and dad. And we see that, like, things are, things are shit. Warzone, horrible stuff's going on outside. We know that there's occupation and weapons and everything being used in that area. We, we, we learn about this in Age of Ultron. And like that, that oh god, that was my favorite moment in the episode outside of our central performers, like where the mum goes to the kitchen area and she just sort of looks out the window and acknowledges the soldiers, everything outside, mm-hmm. and she kind of takes that moment to steal herself. And by the time she's turned around and joined the conversation again, it's just like, oh, we're having movie night. Hey, here we go. And it's just like the loveliest. They are working so hard to create the warmest, most loving atmosphere they can for Wanda and Pietro, despite what's going on around them. And it's like, fuck. Like, her parents must have been so strong to keep that face on. Like, and just mm. make them feel safe and loved whilst the world was falling apart around them, like, in their street. Um, and their dad's brought home uh, a bunch of, like, you know, uh, uh, bootlegged and, and official DVDs and whatnot of yeah. a shitload of sitcoms. Which um, seem like they're possibly illegal. For whatever yeah. reason in Sokovia, maybe it's like a Cold War thing. Yeah, because this, this would have that been the this would have been the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. So like after the fall of the Soviet Union, but you're talking about Eastern Europe, so maybe some sort of well, weird Eastern Bloc thing going they're on. They're obviously they're planning to move because they're learning English yes. from the sitcoms. Yes, like and that, that's why they're all talking in English is because they're they're encouraging Wanda and Pietro to to learn it inside out. Which is like, ah, they're getting the hell out of there. They want to leave. Um, and they're teaching them through sitcoms like The Dick Van Dyke Show and and, and I Love Lucy and, and you know. I mean, I <laughs> uh, yeah, we see sort of the earlier ones in there. But um, obviously Wanda kept that affinity up and watched all the newer stuff later on, as we see later. Because um, she knows it inside out. She knows the exact episode she wants to watch and what happens yep. in it. Um, she clearly aims for the classic. She loves the sort of the 50s, 60s stuff the most. And it's a world for them to escape to. And it's wonderful. And that's when the episode goes, oh yeah, do you remember when that bomb took the life of their parents? And it happens. And I was, when it, when it did happen, I was kind of surprised. I was like, I can't quite believe we are seeing 
this moment that we learned about when we first met her. Yeah. Like, I thought they were just going to allude to, like, and that day's going to come or whatever, but no, we see it. Her parents get crushed in under the rubble of the explosives banging into the side of the building, and there it is, a Stark bomb, blinking red on and off, waiting to go off, and they don't move Pietro and Wanda under the bed just in case it goes off. And then Agatha throws a spanner in the works. Yeah. And suggests, because they don't outright confirm it, do they? She suggests... No. That Wanda, because Agatha's basically like, what are you? Like, you're you're a witch. You're like me. But, like, I've never seen this level of stuff before. I want to know who you are and how you got to this point. So, the suggestion is that Wanda has always been magic. And that the experiments, like, with Strucker and everything, and the, and the, the Mind Stone just kind of unlocked more from her. Yeah, there's because... a line where Agatha suggests that had she not come in contact with the Mind Stone, then her powers would have died on the vine. Yeah. But she had, like, magical potential. Yeah, so, it, so it's a case of, like... The, the implication is that the stone... The, the, the bomb was sort of suspended by Wanda. It didn't set off, not because it was just faulty, and they lay there for days waiting for help. It didn't set off because she stopped it setting off until help came along. It's like... What? Huh? So they plant that idea, and then we skip ahead to the start of the trials with Hydra. Yeah. Can we talk about those tr the transitions from each sequence, by the way? Fucking great. Mm, just the doors really nice just showing up in shot somewhere. Yeah. And they never make a thing of like, poof, there it is. It's just, it's just kind of there. You're like, Wait, what the... Oh, fuck, we're going there now. And Wanda, like, as soon as she sees that, she obviously just relived a trauma of her parents dying. And and it, again, it links back. We you know the toaster in episode one with the blinking red lights, dark yep. technology and everything. Um, you know the, from the thingy we st we st you know lay there for two days waiting for Tony Stark to kill us, and the internet went nuts at Tony Stark after this episode. And I think the internet forgets that Stark didn't fire missiles at Sokovia. That's the point. Stark bought technology. Did horrible shit. Like, people who were using outs outside of American sources were getting hold of his stuff. That's the plot reveal in Iron Man. Dude made <laughs> weapons. Yeah, and people... Uh, he made weapons for the States. And in Iron Man, we learn that people around the world bought and pirated and stole and used his weapons. Uh, Tony Stark didn't shoot Wanda's apartment as a ch Oh, my God. Guys, every time an episode ends, Disney Plus says, Do you want to watch Age of Ultron? Maybe rewatch Age of Ultron. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, so, no, do do like though the Dark World, like Iron Man Two, like all these other things. They're being made retroactively more interesting because this material's finding ways to make them more important to the ongoing story. It's still so got all. It's it's still got issues, but it's it's got many issues as we as we've discussed many times. Yeah, particularly with the way it handles its female characters. Yeah, but it also has that moment where Wanda rips one of the Ultron's hearts from his chest and it's the most badass fucking moment in the whole film. Yeah, it's pretty um, good. And we also get a mirrored moment in this where she does some screaming and magic. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, we, we we go to Hydra and we see this sort of the beginning of the trials with the Mind Stone and we get an implication from two of the scientists that there have been many test subjects before Pietro and Wanda. And they're not here now. <laughs> it's just like, oh... 
okay. And it makes you wonder, because we don't see Pietro, we see Wanda. It makes you wonder if the only reason Pietro survived, if indeed Wanda was already magic, is cause, because of her connection with it. That's why he survives a trial with it as well. Because if everyone else yeah. has died, but then these two didn't. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? So... She interacts with the Mind Stone. It shackles loose. That that beautiful reveal where the camera just pulls back into the POV of the cell and Loki's staff just appears in the foreground. And you're like, yeah. oh, of course, because that's where it was hidden. It's neat. Um, and it breaks out and we finally get to see it go from its blue to, to real yellow state as well. First time we kind of get that confirmed. It's like, yes, this is what it looks like properly. I'm mean, obviously Age of Ultron a bit, but here it makes a big point of it was always the yellow one, guys. Yeah. Don't get confused. We probably didn't have it mapped out this intricately when we made the first Avengers film. We just go with it. Just go with it. Um, but Wanda not only survives interacting with it, it sort of presents itself to her. And she sees a silhouette that looks awfully like the 2000s, 2010s design of the Scarlet Witch in the comic yep. books. Big old coat. Um, the sort of the horns of the of the headdress, like she's there, she's in there somewhere, and Wanda sees it. Massive kudos to them in, for this and the next scene of making Elizabeth Olsen look exactly like she did in Age of Ultron and Civil War, respectively. Mm. Like just subtle because it's all to do with just like hair and the way she's dressed and makeup choices. But it's like you knew exactly which one of the films or where around the film yeah. series you were from these flashbacks. It, it was brilliantly done. Um. She survives. Agnes is like, holy fuck. Let's learn more. Because then you lose your brother. And you've got nothing left. So we fast forward to the Avengers facility sometime before the events of Civil War. Uh, We're back in Wanda's bedroom. Very familiar scene like we saw in Civil War. She's sat cross-legged on the edge of the bed watching TV. She obviously likes to spend a lot of alone time. Because she's a twin. She's now the only half of a twin left. Yeah. And she she feels very sort of she needs to kind of isolate herself, and she's watching Malcolm in the middle and pissing herself. Well, not yet, but um, Vision comes in and we get a call back to the whole like him walking through the door and I'd be like, you should use the door. And he's like, but the door was open, so I thought it would be all right. We sort of see the beginning of that habit of his. Yeah. If she like calls to him and he walks through the the wall and stuff, and you're like, ah, oh, there it is. I um, feel like this is. <laughs> The, the, what's nice about this scene is it's, it's sort of the moment that they start to form a relationship. Yes, because we never we, we see we see their relationship building in Civil War, and the implication that is they've kind of got a bit of a thing going on here. It's sort of it's it's you can tell from how he's taking care of her and he's trying to make her feel better despite all the horrid circumstances that are going on and you know. Whereas, like, yeah, you're you're completely right. This is the this is probably the conversation that leads to that relationship beginning in the first yeah. place. And Paul Bettany gets to deliver some... his one scene in the episode, and he gets to deliver some fucking fantastic dialogue. Because Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen does the heavy list, lifting in this episode, and she does a phenomenal job. Um, does old, old Lizzie Olsen. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah. it's it's Because we get to see her play the same character over several different important chunks of her life. Yeah. Um all of them dealing with with loss and fear and grief and and she does a great job but um again paul bettany does such a wonderful job in this one scene where he essentially says to her like yeah you're you're grieving and i'm still trying to understand that myself i've never really experienced loss or love 
because I, you know, I've, <laughs> I've existed like a year, mate. Come on, give me, yeah. give me a chance. Um, but he, he makes the point of saying, like, what, what is, what is grief, if not love persevering? And he just sort of changes her perspective on the fact that everything she ever had, as as far as she was concerned, is gone. Her parents and then her brother, they're gone. And Vision kind of awakens that idea of that's why you feel bad because like the 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 love is still here. Like what you all had is still here. That's why it hurts so much. Mm. And isn't that kind of comforting in a way? And it's sort of it's like oh my god, shit. And then they giggle watching. Um, Brian Cranston doing some slapstick in Malcolm in the Middle, which is never a bad thing. <laughs> always good. Always, always good for a laugh. But it shows you as well that even when she wants to be on her own, her comfort is she starts watching American sitcoms. Mm. Like she still goes back to them. It's like, they seeded this all so well. <laughs> it's so well done. Um, but then we flash to her after having lost vision. So sometime after the events of Endgame, uh, probably after the events of the funeral, considering that all this happens in the same day. So it's definitely after Tony Stark's funeral. Um, she's managed to find that Vision's body was taken into custody by sword under yeah. acting director Hayward. Um, she goes, she is clearly angry. She, she's, she's carrying like you read about. She wants to see the manager and she gets in and Hayward's like, look, there he is. We're having to take him apart. Um, I mean, we know you just want to bury him. I love that when she's just like, I just want to, I just want to bury him. That's that's all I want. Like, I just want to give him a proper burial. And he's like, with all due respect, we can't let you put three billion dollars worth of vibranium weaponry into the ground. And he's not saying like, we want the weapons. He's saying, you do realize how fucking dangerous that would be. And but what he actually means is, he doesn't. He's, well, he's not saying it because well, he's dangerous. He's saying it because he wants it. Well, yes. Well, yes. We're, we're we're reading, but we'll get into that in a second because, like, she sort of takes that as like, yeah, I I get it, like I I understand, and she's like, they have, they have a moment, and then she's like, she goes to say goodbye to him, and the guards are all like, oh shit, like, and he was like, no no no, like, you know, let her let her let her have a moment, and you get that kind of really sad mirroring of the um. Like the whole thing, Vision talking about how they're connected by the Mind Stone in the previous films, and he talks about the whole like you know I I can I feel you, and when when he she's killing him when she's like killing him to stop Thanos getting the Mind Stone, he says like it's okay you can never hurt me I just feel you, and we get this heartbreaking fucking mirroring, with her kind of just putting her hand to the this severed head, all grey and crumpled in and plugged into God knows what. And she, she just like says like I can't feel you, and it's like oh fuck. And in that moment, she sort of comes to she comes to terms with like he's gone, like he has gone. And she quietly leaves, and she goes off. Before we talk about what happens next, Hayward is super fucking sus. Yeah, yeah. Because he says yeah. like you you know uh, you come here to resurrect, sorry, to bring him back online or something like that. It's the other way around. He says, bring him back online. Sorry, back to life. Back to life. And it's like, no, that's not what she came here to do. Why would you say that? But also it's super sus, because three episodes ago, he showed everyone CCTV footage of her breaking into S.W.O.R.D. and taking Vision's body. We now know that didn't happen. 
Yeah, some uh, judicious Why editing. Does, well, we see we see her like break in, break in. So is it doctored footage? No, it's because she uses her powers to open the doors. No, she doesn't come so, through the doorway. She comes through the glass up top. No, no, no. In the video, yeah, that he shows. Oh no, yeah, we see, we see her in the yeah. But I mean, I mean, when she enters the room, I'm pretty sure in the OG footage, she like slams open doors and approaches the body. No, no, no. no. Whereas she, in this, they, they change the, they ed, they edit the CCTV footage to make it look like that's what's happening. But right. it's the it's the moment of her opening the doors with her powers. Yeah, and then oh, okay. smashing the glass to get to vision. So there's some doctored ass footage in in, in yeah. this, at least in terms they, of how they've presented the cut. Of, they've yeah. edited the CCTV footage to make it look like she stormed in and took, the, as well as of course saying body. she took the body. And we now know Which no, she, she didn't. fucking didn't. She leaves peacefully. She drives straight from the sword facility to New Jersey to Westview, and we're like, right. So why is she going here? Why is this the place? She has an open letter that she's obviously read and reread over and over again, and she arrives at a plot of land. Westview's like it's a bit, it's a bit shitty. It's a bit run down. It's obviously it's a, a neglected area within it's, the state. It's, it's a bit on its ass. And in the middle of this on its ass place, where land is obviously cheap, um, there is a plot, um, like a driveway, and some bit of building to the side, and a plot of a foundation. With raw materials there, meaning that work was either about to begin, like pre-snap or whatever, like you know, someone was gonna do something, and they ha- she has a deed. It's a freaking deed. It's a deed to the building, to the land, signed Wanda Maxim, signed to Wanda Maximoff and the Vision, which means at some point while they were on the run, the Vision and Wanda possibly together, um bought a plot of land in New Jersey and we're going to quietly make a home. I feel like it was a part of... I feel like it was something that the Vision had to surprise her with at some there's Because he's written a note in, yeah. a lo- in a fucking love heart. Like, we're at that point. The note and the way it's written mirroring the note on the calendar in episode one in the sitcom plot in episode one. Yep. Um... Meaning that that calendar was probably because, like, they make the point of she doesn't create things when it begins, except she does create one thing. Um, meaning that that calendar was probably made from the deed for the house, because it's all about her changing the appearance of everything. Um, and she gets there and breaks down in a way that we haven't seen since uh, the end of Age of Ultron when she feels Pietro get killed, and she just like screams and explodes a bunch of Ultron Ultron bots. Except this time, she didn't explode anything. A house starts to form around her. Yep. And everything in the vicinity starts to change colour and and shape. Uh, Including all the neighbours who we've now seen in their actual guises. Um, Yep. Yeah, and you realise that all the ones who have been reported missing have been reported missing because they're obviously meant to have gone to work or a relative or whatever out of town. So they all do belong here. Like, this is where they lived, or where they were visiting, or where they mm-hmm. were at work. Um, and then she... She wills vision into existence. And it's the same, like, the yellowish colour of the Mind Stone. And it's terrifying. And we re- and it, what got me then is because when it all settles in, he's in black and white, and she's in colour. 
until she steps through the frame at one point and she's then in her costume from the first episode and in black and white and everything. Yeah. That was the first thing we ever saw of the show. The Wanda, welcome home. That was, and her in colour and the background black and white, that was the first thing we ever saw of the show in that Super Bowl commercial two years ago. Yep. Super Bowl 2019. That's nuts. <laughs> was it was it 2019 or was it 2020? It, would it was been 2020. It was no uh, 20 uh, 2020 because it was it would have been after Endgame. Um, yeah. So Super Bowl 2020. So 2019. No, 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 Super Bowl's February. Endgame was April. We could, you know, we could actually find out from because it was the it was our thumbnail. I think it was 2020. Point is, it can't have been 2020 because we're all in lockdown and that hadn't happened yet. No, Super Bowl was February. Lockdown hadn't happened yet. Mm. And, and One Division at that point was still slated for a uh, sort of November release. On I feel uh, like we're getting sidetracked. Point than, point is the the very even oh here are. we go yeah no, it was like it was last Feb it was last Feb there it is episode one eight nine Jesus because um, it was the thumbnail and it was the very first thing we saw the Jesus. very first thing we saw of One Division was shots from that moment. Um, which is ball a move if you think about it. The first thing they showed us was from the penultimate episode, and we had no idea. Yeah, like holy fuck. Um, and we come back to reality to find that Wanda goes gravity. Yeah, find that Wanda's on a Todd. Agnes is now outside in full blown comic accurate looking like costume minus the grey hair and old old lady face. Yeah, it um, looks cool. Billy and Tommy are alive, but being throttled by magic and held on leashes as Agnes floats looking all scary. But Agnes is scared now. Agatha is terrified. And she's like, you shouldn't be. Like, you're just, a, you're just a myth. Like, ma you know, ma magic, is, magic is influence and change. What you're doing yeah. is creating. You're creating things out of nothing. This is chaos magic and comic book fans up and down the land take a shot um and then she says like you're meant to have been a myth like you're the scarlet witch and we go to credits and you're like yeah wait what so in the mcu turns out the scarlet witch is a title from something that is known of probably in the magical books or whatever and we'll learn more about it but like I, I can't. Well, I, I hope we will because I, you've only got one episode left yeah, and it feels like there's a lot to cover can't lie nipples tore right through my shirt um, yeah. <laughs> it was like, wow, we're going there. Okay. And then we Probably get the post-credit so. scene. And then we get the mid, sorry, the mid-credit scene. Ah, uh, yes. Holy fuck. So, Haywood has kept that drone from a few episodes ago, which seems to still be sparking with uh, chaos magic or mindstone yep. energy or whatever it turns out to actually be. And they use it to siphon into something which, and it makes me wonder... Were they only lying to Jimmy, Darcy, and Monica? Because there are a lot of people around in yeah. this sword facility. No, actually, no, to be fair, all of the people that were in that are now clowns in a circus on the edge of town. Yeah, that's true. So this uh, is a separate group that have come in under Haywood's um, command. No, I think it was basically so sword are all on the same page with it. Yeah. But apart from Monica. Yeah, yeah, because Monica's just come back and not knowing what they've all been up to while she was snapped. Jimmy's from the CIA. 
yeah and um and uh FBI. And, and fbi sorry yeah and darcy's an outside expert brought in so yeah i guess they're on a need to know they're out of the but, loop yeah. but the need to know apparently was a lie that wanda stole the vision's body because now we learn that um they've been put they've been they've been they've been doing work on it and yep. it, it is reformed and slightly different in its design. Most notably, it's shock white. And using the, the energy of wonders they've siphoned from the drone, it's now awake. Um, White Vision, Matt. Yep. White Vision, who, correct me if I'm wrong, was a form of Ultron when it debuted. Uh, I'm not sure. Or, or, the, or, or it was revealed that the Vision was actually Ultron for a while, pretending to be Vision. Because this uh, was this was something that happened between Ultron being more of a clunky design and then his eventual kind of... The, the Ultron we all kind of picture now. From no, the, the White Vision I know is from the West Coast late, se- late 70s, early 80s West Coast Avengers. Yeah. Where it's basically a, a Vision who's rebuilt after like losing his memories and personality. Ah, so it's a go. more robotic yeah. vision. Yeah. Okay, so essentially, when everyone says, "Oh, he's a superhero," but he's, he's sort of a robot who who don't know nothing about being a real person, being a real boy, it's that. Like that's what we're that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a the vision in everything but personality. Yeah, basically. Um, I'm sure there's been. I'm sure there was something to do with Ultron around that time. Like he he took possession of it or whatever. No, I mean, no. He was created by Ultron in the comics. So yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think I, mean, I, think, I think that's just where you're getting. Yeah, probably. That from. But it's uh, either way. Um, is our finale going to be Vision versus the Vision? Um, possibly. Scarlet Witch versus Agatha Harkness. Um, mm, that's a thought. Lovely friend of mine, Mike, has already sent me a theory where he said, "Like, I've got a feeling that Vision's going to merge with the physically real Vision." and survive the events of the series. And I'm like... I can see that. I, I said to him, you're a soppy sausage, and I love that you want good things for Wanda. But, um... Mm. I, I can I, see him, I, I can see I him keeping him around. I don't think that's where it's going to go. No? Because... Wanda needs a win. She needs a win. She's lost everything. She needs one. But... Yeah, I suppose. Two things. One... Okay. This is a Disney Plus series, not one of the films. Even though um, it's even okay. though it plays a bigger part in the MCU than previous TV series of the MCU. Um because we all know how how important Cloak and Dagger on Hulu was to Avengers Endgame. Mm. Um, hey, Hellstrom's on Star if you want to get that vital chapter of the uh Is it in the MCU? The MCU? Is it fuck? Pro- I don't fucking know. Um, it's probably in the MCU the same way Legion was in the Fox X-Men universe, i.e. not at all, but we'll make some visual references, we guess. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's in the MCU as much as Spider-Man was in the X-Men films because in a deleted scene, Stanley as a sunglasses salesman said, hey, just like the X-Men wear. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Sure. Of course. Um, uh, it, you know, it's. It, but it's still side. It's still sideways. It's not a film that's released in theaters. Do you know what I mean? No. So they're not going to do anything massive in these shows that you would need to have seen before you go into a theatrical release mm. that can't be explained away very quickly in a theatrical release. Um, 
So if you've got someone watching Avengers Endgame and then going to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which we know is the next part of the story for Wanda, mm. if that film suddenly opens with Wanda and Vision being okay and alive, you're going to have a lot of audience members going, wait, what? Now, not everyone, obviously. A large portion of that fan base will have checked out the Disney Plus show. But not everyone. I think you can't... I... I think they're past worrying about that at this point, though, to be honest. Maybe, but I, I, just... I, I, I kind of think that for the multiverse of madness to exist and for all this emphasis on Wanda having chaos magic and, you know, uh, like they've, te- they've teased the Nexus of all realities, though I've seen it pointed out that Nexus was actually the name of the, uh, the, uh, the, bu- the business, the building or what have you, that got um, blown up in Civil War when she... Uh, it's, it's one of them. There's a building in one of the recent films that she's in where the building is called Nexus. And yeah, that's... maybe. Oh, no, no, not that one. It's where Ultron was created. It was the, the you know, the big internet server place. Oh, yeah, where yeah. Where Vision's body was housed. That was called Nexus. So the Nexus thing might actually be just toying with us all, thinking about the Nexus of all realities, but we're learning about chaos magic. Hmm. If Wanda's tying into multiverse... It wouldn't hurt to, in terms of the greater narrative, create a reason for her to go off the deep end. It would be a real sucky ending for WandaVision, but (laughs) it would lead into a movie. And in the Doctor Strange sequel, you could really easily explain that some horrible shit has gone down and Wanda is being used to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, you know, like, because, you know, we know she's in it. We know... Um, she would tell Ezra falls back as Mordo. For all we know, they're about to go, and Catherine Hahn's in it. Like for all we know, do you know I what mean, I mean? Be silly not to, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there's no point postulating on what might be. Ultimately, it's 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 just it it shows you that it's been so enjoyable that we even speculate or go, oh yeah, maybe. But I'm just excited to see the last one. I I can't wait to see how it wraps up. Yeah, I, I just want to know where it goes. Really. Yeah. On Disney Plus, that's where it goes. Hey! Friday morning, UK time. Thursday well, midnight, US time. The sods. Well, let's see what our listeners uh, think of it. Uh, particularly uh, listener James. Who hey, has, James. Who has sent in a big old ramble. It is James. He and is he, here with his thoughts. And he says, lots of thoughts. He says, big damn boys, both of you, Chris and Matt. <laughs> This show, episode eight. So I guess it wasn't Agatha all along. Well done, Chris, on calling it, by the way. <laughs> Catherine Han got the de-aging treatment. Is this the best it's looked due to the low lighting? Pietro was fake. What does this mean for Monica? Hmm, that's, that's, that's a good question. That's a good point. Um, we didn't we didn't see anything from Monica, no. Darcy, Vision, or, or Pietro. Or Pietro, was, as he's now called. All... <laughs> <laughs> Pietro, fake Pietro, Pietro. Um, love it. <laughs> Fucking love Catherine Han. Um... And she killed Sparky, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We travelled through Wanda's traumas. I sat through that first knowing what was coming the whole time. It was inevitable. Also got an explanation for the whole sitcom thing that I think everyone guessed. Experimentation... That experimentation scene had some interesting features that I'll come back to in a bit. I think the best scene in the episode was between Wanda and Vision in the Avengers compound. Wow. There was some great writing here and equally great performances. Yeah, it was a pretty good scene. Uh, I'm thinking that Elizabeth Olsen is one of, if not the best performer in the MCU. Also very flexible. How does a back move back that far? Oh, God, yeah. 
Yeah, like, again, we've not seen her do that since Age of Ultron, but that weird thing, mm. she sort of completely arches backwards when she's, like, firing power out and stuff. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. that was scary. Um, I'm glad they finally gave us a scene to develop their relationship bit a bit more. I think really needed it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Haywood's really an awful guy. I feel he's really saying the wrong things, masking them with sincerity and pathos. Then he takes the footage of her and twists it to his own advantage. Bad guy. Yeah, motherfucking Haywood's a shit, man. Is there um, is there more to this than Hayward just wanted to test a weapon? No, I don't think so. Because, I mean, that alone is still bad enough because of the stakes. We know what Monica's mum meant for Sword to be, and it was not this. So, yeah, that, makes, Hayward, so that makes him a pretty bad dude already. But yeah, Hayward I, just I, I wants... I still want to know what his motivation was to, to do that. He just wants Vision up and running. I think. Yeah, uh, after, Star- after Stark's gone, there's a power vacuum and all this weaponry shit, and, you know, mm-hmm. if we can get ahead of the curve, I can lead America into a safe new age, and over over here, these guys have been coming up with a new Captain America, he's called US Agent, you can all see him in uh, Falcon of the Winter Soldier in three weeks' Yay. time on Disney+. Plus. Um, oh god, that's a thought, actually. That's it is a, a thought, thought, but save it until I finish yeah. the email. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got me thinking. It wasn't the real vision after all. Very interesting. Westview seems to be just a town full of really depressed people. People who seem to have lost partners who were returned to them by Wanda. No, I think she's just pairing people off. Uh, I really hope for Phil's sanity that someone decides to learn piano. And when Wanda (laughs) is the Scarlet Witch. I reckon Wanda's new Scarlet Witch look teasing the new Infinity Stone will be revealed in the next episode. I agree. Oh, sorry. I also think part of it can be seen in the Wonder and Vision poster with all the different aspects of her on the TV screens, as well as the poster of just Wonder in the same style. Is she actually going to get yeah. her crown? Yeah. Finally, White Vision. I hope this isn't just a backdoor to bring back a form of Ultron. I don't think it will be. I really don't like Haywood, but th- could this actions further Vision's existence in the grander story of the world? Uh, all of these questions and statements I'll be proven wrong or answered next week. I can't wait. Sorry for the length and the email. Is there a joke there? Yeah, but I'm not going to make it. Uh, from a metal boy reanimated by magic. I mean, James. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Good one, James. Basically just sort of... Uh, again, reiterating a couple of things that we were that we were sort of musing on. But yeah, I think uh, this is this is probably true. My, it's got my it's got my gears spinning that. The the notion of of like Hayward's Endgame. Because if Hayward's creating a vision, and he's he's about to road test it, if um, whoever's behind the creation of U.S. Agent in Falcon and the Winter Soldier's doing it, yeah, we know we know Tim Roth's coming back for She-Hulk to play Abomination. That's gonna um, be interesting. And Abomination's last mention was in um, uh, oh, what's it called? It was a Marvel one shot. Uh, the consultant. The consultant. That's it. Where Coulson and Sitwell are um, tasked by Nick Fury to talk to General, then General Ross, about recruiting Blonsky for the Avengers Initiative. Mm-hmm. And both of them have read the profile of what happened in Incredible Hulk and gone like, "No, like we don't think this is a good call." So instead, they send Tony Stark to talk to Ross. <laughs> and that's why we get that post-credit scene. So, and then they they meet up again in the same diner, and it's like it failed miserably. It's like, of course it freaking did. Like Tony Stark rubbed Ross up the wrong way in every yeah. conceivable way. So yeah, Blonsky's off the road, and you realize, oh, okay, 
It also makes you wonder why Sitwell would go along with that, knowing what we know about him now. But well, I guess it's because he, even he's like, yeah, we I don't want Bl- Blonsky's fucking dangerous. Deep cover, like, we isn't can, it? We can at least, yeah, that too. But like, we could at least, we could at least do something about Banner, maybe. Like Blonsky, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so, but if Blonsky's coming back, if we've got U.S. agent, possibly this vision sticking around, or at least the technology of it sticking around. Mm. Are we, are we potentially setting up for a Dark Avengers? That's like, a stretch, like, I think. I maybe, but like there seems to be a theme of the mirror versions of the heroes being in these projects. Yeah, maybe. And I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against that. I like the idea of like in in the wake of everything and Sokovia Accords and all that stuff, the government going, "We're just gonna, we are gonna make a version of you lot." Like, yeah. While you're all separated and Thor's off world and Stark's dead and people are trying to figure out what to do with that, while this is all happening, because maybe that's what Armor Wars is about. Like people are taking, we know the premise yeah, of people are taking about Armor Wars. People are taking Stark's technology and and Rhodey's like trying to figure out what's going on, who's doing it, and trying to stop it. Hmm. So if someone's trying to build an Iron Man, and they've got a Captain America, and they've got a Hulk. Do you know what I mean? It's like maybe that's why She-Hulk happens. I'm just I'm literally just spitballing, but maybe that's why She-Hulk ends up happening because someone's trying to recreate it. No, and I get you. You know what I mean? It's like oh, okay, this is, huh? Because I I wouldn't put it past mm. them. I mean, they they threaded Thanos for ten years. I wouldn't put it past them if they were like, we're doing Dark Avengers, and our take on it is here's a mm. government mandated version by misguided military people, and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> and now we're going to have to have some form of... Whatever the new Avengers is would have to be the ones to, to knock them down a peg. Because um, then you get to do Civil War, but this time you want them to fight. Because <laughs> you want the bad True. guys to get punched. <laughs> You're not sat there going, True. this is cool, but also, mommy, daddy, please don't fight. Like this time you'd be like, no, punch yeah. him. Punch the... Fu- She-Hulk, punch the fuck out of Abomination. <laughs> do it. Um, yeah. I, I, I am amazed that the superhero fatigue that everyone was writing essays about in 2019 has, by just the state of the world and the way we've had to consume media, been completely erased (laughs) in terms of, like, the mainstream. Because we've all been starving for it. We've been like, no, come on. Like, these are familiar stories. We knew there was stuff coming out. We want to see these characters and feel better about ourselves during this very unpredictable time. I mean, now that they're coming back, everyone's like, more! Give me more! (laughs) There's a reason that the superhero genre in comics has stuck around for as long as it has. Like, people like these kind of stories. Yeah. So it moving to... It moving to a new medium doesn't really surprise me, and yeah. I think it's always probably had the. It's always had more staying power than. I think people have given it credit for, mm. and that's always been the case. But here we are. Yeah. What have you been? What have you been reading lately? Before what have been reading wrap? lately? Yeah. Um. I finally not not to accidentally ape a feature from a, another pop culture podcast that people like. You know listen to in their thousands but like yes what what have you been reading and what what in the future might you perchance decide to also read <laughs> it's a very british version of that i've been reading dune 
Oh, you've been getting your Herbert on. Yeah. Is that because Keeks have been reading it? Is it, is it she, made you well, want to revisit it? She's read it, so and it's on our shared Kindle library, so I thought, fuck it, I'm going to give June a read. And I'm rather enjoying it. It's very dense, but... Oh, it's chonky, boy. It's an interesting world that is I'd, being built. I had to take it out of my high school's library six times so I could finish it. <laughs> it's good, though. I enjoy it quite a bit. Luckily, I was friendly with a librarian, so she just went, I'll just put it on another week. And I'm like, thank you! Yeah, thanks, <laughs> cheers! Cheers! It's big. Then, it's very big. That's the glory about reading it on Kindle. I don't have to worry about it being big. <laughs> and, give, and giving me a sore wrist. Oh, um, Adam. <laughs> uh, Comics-wise, I have been uh, slowly catching up on uh, Hickman's X-Men yeah. stuff. So I'm currently... I've just started reading the X of Swords. Mm. Um, sort of line-wide crossover uh, which is which is which is actually 10 of swords okay um because it basically you ha- um they have to gather 10 uh, champions from Krakoa and each one with their own uh unique sword to defend Krakoa against there's a whole thing about Krakoa once having a sister island called Arako um, Krakoa is the island of monsters, right? Krakoa yeah. is the island that is a mutant. Yes. Oh, right. Um, Hang on. What's the island of monsters? Is that a different one? Monster Island. Monster Island, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently named. Funnily enough. Conveniently named. Um, and it's it's where the it's where the mutants have built their new nation. It's Krakoa. <laughs> Every uh, time but, they take a step, the whole land goes, ow. Ow. Yeah, right, that's it. Everyone has to wear socks. No stilettos, no boots. Everyone no, wears it socks. Makes a, it makes a very nice soft ground for them. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, honest, the the sort of way that Hickman has created this nation and like used mutants' various powers to sort of facilitate it and how it all works is just really. He's he's good at making complex things. It's really cool. Um, he's a world shaper. Yeah. Like I, I, he, I never really appreciated it until I like read everything he was putting out at one time and was like, oh, yes. okay. Like I read Infinity and I was like, this is fine. I really like Corvus Glaive, but apart from that, I'm really confused. <laughs> and then I read the the the, the British trade paperback, the, the, yeah. the UK trade paperback, where it put Avengers, New Avengers and Infinity. Yeah, you kind of have to read it like that. It doesn't make sense if you don't read it like that. Yeah. Well, like, like it's, ser- it's serviceable, but when yeah. you read it as all three narratives intertwined, yeah, it, yeah, it, it works so have been well. It's own mini series. It should have just happened between Avengers and New Avengers. But Matt, how else? Than... They, how else are they meant to to hey, make money saying. from the comics? You know what I mean. Um, so yeah, ten, ten of Swords is the is the most recent sort of crossover part of it, which has got um, it, and it, it's pulling in like alternate dimensions and other worlds, so it's playing with the Captain Britain core stuff. Oh, okay. Because, of course, Betsy Braddock is now Captain Britain. Wait, Psylocke's Captain Britain? Yeah, because she's back in her original body. Oh, okay. Sure. Because um, one of the things that's happening I've, on Krakoa is... I've never seen res- them go, let's do reverse representation, but okay. Well, they're, <laughs> they're, putting, they're restoring all the mutants to how they should be. Because, ah, they, because they've, okay, they've, yeah. they've essentially created resurrection protocols for right. mutants. Okay. So mutants don't. If any mutants that die can be brought back, um, because they have five. They have five mutants called the Five, 
mm-hmm. who can mix their powers. To, um, it's Gold Balls, of all people. Shut up. From uh, Bendis's run. He, the balls that he creates are actually eggs. What? Um, Proteus uses his reality warping powers to make them viable. Okay. Um, Tempus. Um, uh, Elixir. Sorry. He sort of infuses uh, the DNA of the mutant they want to revive into the egg. Right. Then Tempus, also from Bendis's run, ages the egg and the embryo to the right age. Okay. For them to be born. And then Hope keeps all their powers working in tandem. Okay. And they have like a synergistic relationship. So the more they do it, the stronger they get. Right. Okay. And then Professor X. Turns out the real purpose behind Cerebro, they've retconned it, is so that it creates a complete mental backup of every mutant on Earth. Oh, so it's not about it's not a locator, it's a storage facility. Yep. So uh, okay. when the new when the resurrected mutant is born, Professor Rex restores their latest backup into their new body. Okay. And that wow. be, and that's how that is how they have cheated. And it's it's also a way for them to sort of like repower depowered mutants. Yeah. Who are like depowered during the decimation and stuff. They're currently sort of debating whether they should try and resurrect everyone, like all 16 million mutants who were murdered in Genosha. Yeah. Oh, like fuck. they're trying to like scale up to see how, how they can sort it's like of they, they deserve that. They deserve another chance. It's like, yeah, but like, is there enough room to, to do well, this? Well, sort of, they've, they've already sort of like. like what what kind out. of life are we bringing them into if they're not able to live? Like, well, Kokoa can just expand. Krokoa can grow larger, but also you just have to feed it a lot of takeouts. Krokoa and it's just, ru- just rubbing Nando's deliveries yeah, into the ground. It's fine. Krokoa, <laughs> Domino's. It's two for Tuesday. Quick, quick, bring them in. Krokoa <laughs> and its sort of sundered other half, Araco, which is yeah. trapped in another dimension, are all of that part of part of Ten of Swords or X of Swords is trying to bring them back together. Right to make one giant landmass. To make to make uh, of, of Ocaro the land that was. Oh, okay, fucking hell! This is Hickman. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's very. Right. He's he's very. He's very. Also. He's very. Um, he's very. That's the best description of Hickman's writing I've ever heard. He's very. Also, Gene Cyclops and Wolverine are a thruple. There we go. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. How is Scott taking that? I'm curious. Like I, well, I always well, figure, I always figure Logan as someone based on who's writing him. He's, he's been still... around. Like he's been around, sure. Like why not? But uh Cyclops is still openly flirting with Emma Frost. Oh, he so wants sus- it, he wants it to be a quadruple. I, I suspect there's some openness to that relationship. Okay. Or those okay. relationships. And uh, Logan's pan anyway, like Yeah. Him and Nightcrawler have been boning for years. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so, there we go. Yeah. Well, we're all going to take that to our dreams tonight. and uh, As well, you should. Bask in it. Um, I, I wonderful told dreams. You. I, I, re- I finally got around to reading Spider-Man Life Story. Yeah, how is that? It's really good. It, it's an it... experimental, like, you know, a, 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 the idea being that Amazing Fantasy 15 in 1962... 
Yeah. Is when Peter Parker gets bitten by a radioactive spider and it's a pilot, essentially, for a Spider-Man comic book. And then Amazing Spider-Man issue one comes out a year later and, and the legend begins. And this is, this is born out of the conceit that... So Marvel... And it even says it like the opening blurbs and everything. Like, Marvel heroes age with the times. So, um, you know, the, the, Peter Parker and co all these characters age very slowly yeah. just so that they can still kind of be perpetually frozen it's it's what i like to call the simpsons effect like the whole thing of bart had a 10th birthday and then he had a 10th birthday again like 10 years later and then yeah. he had a 10th birthday again like 10 years later and it is you know that's, that's the like way all, to get around all it. sort of long-running media yeah. runs into that problem eventually bart, bart's never got older than 10 but it. think about how many christmas episodes there have been of the simpsons like, yeah that's, you know that's that's how it is um and you just kind of suspend that disbelief. It's not like a soap opera where people, you know, actually age in real time and everything. It, it's 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 fantasy. It's fiction. Hmm. Um, so this, the idea of Spider-Man Life Story is Peter gets bitten in 1962. We mm-hmm. pick up the story in 1967 and there are uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven issues and each issue takes place um, in a different decade. Yes. As though everyone ages in real time. So That's neat. It focuses on Spider-Man, but we see more of the of the Marvel universe as it goes on. So issue one is set in nineteen sixty seven. He's been Spider-Man for four and a bit years, and you know, he's got a rogues gallery and certain things have happened and certain things haven't happened yet. Um and some that they didn't really talk about in his comics at the time, you know, uh, people are being drafted to go and fight in Vietnam. So Flash is going off into the military, and like having recently joined college, Peter's still sort of hung up on Flash being a dickhead who bullied him in high school, and you know he has a go at him in the style of the sixties comic. But Peter would have the sort of little moments, then be like, "Oh, what am I doing?" and all this sort of stuff. And he kind of shows Flash up at his leaving party, and that's when he says, "Like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I just, uh, to me, you're still the kid who made my life a living hell for five mm. years." And Flash is like, "I know," and he says, I- "I'm sorry." Yeah, he says, "I am." He said, I don't even really understand how badly it must have, you know, hit you. I, I'm still coming to terms with that. And maybe one day I'll let you, you know, punch me in the face and you know, I'll take it. <laughs> Who knows? But he's like, well, why are you going to war? Like, you, the world, you know, the Second World War, like, ruined your father. Like, made him into an abusive asshole. Like, why are you doing this? And Flash is like, because it's what Spider-Man would do. And Peter's just like, what? Huh? Flash is like, yeah, it's what Spider-Man would do, do the right thing. And, and Peter's like, but you know he's not out there yet. And Flash is like, dude's got his hands full over here. But like, I know one day when the conflict's still going on, he'll be out there and he'll help us out. And it deals with the idea of like, yeah, is Peter not using his power responsibly like he mm. swears to? Because like, there's a war going on. Like, shouldn't he be out there? And then we skip to the, you know, Osborne finds out who Peter is and we get a different version of that and the amnesia and... It's played really well. We skipped to 1977 in the next issue and, you know, America's still dealing with the ramifications of war and it's about to head into another conflict and Peter's working for Reed Richards uh, with a reformed with a reformed Dr. Otto Octavius. and Which is interesting because they're doing a Fantastic Four life story. I, I, I wouldn't year. be surprised if they tied it in because Reed is probably the most interesting offshoot where there's more ground to talk about. Yeah. Because later on, Peter confronts him. He's like, 
your clothing is made of what is it again? And he's like, it's it's unstable molecules. And he's like, right. Then it adapts to like Johnny and and Sue and you. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, why haven't you mass manufactured that? Like for troops, even just. And Reed's like, don't think I've not thought about this. Like, of course I have. Like the amount of the amount of conflict our country is in or helping fight against. Mm-hmm. Of course I have, but. Think about what happens when it goes up. Someone else gets hold of it, or and then think about the clothing industry. That's billions of dollars a year. That gets upended if I enter this into that world. That completely gets ruined. That's thousands of lives. This that the other. And Peter's really tackling with the role of responsibility and what they should yeah. be doing for his country. And he says, like, you see, this is the sort of shit that is why Sue left you. And Reed just decks him, and Peter's like, he knows I could avoid that. I let him have it. I, I deserve mm. that. So, and, and like he he ties back in with Reed later on in the story. So it's, I think the Fantastic Four is definitely the one because there is no Fantastic Four beyond the the seventies in, yeah. in this story. So it's like, ha! Huh, you could absolutely tell a story of of where that was. Um, that would be interesting. But what's really cool about it is that Peter misses um, Flash's train away because of conflict. Uh, oh, Captain America ends up in Nam fighting. Not with the Viet Cong, but protecting them, uh, protecting innocents from American attack. That is interesting. Because the public have been pressuring him, saying, like, go out there, like, go and fight for America. And he's like, I woke up from, I I went into the ice 20 years ago. And you're like, that's such a weird thought. I went to the ice 20 years ago, like, leaving behind a war, and I've come back out to find another war. And he's like, what am I doing this for? So he goes out to Vietnam and basically just protects any innocent people. And it comes at odds with Tony Stark's bodyguard, Iron Man, who's helping lead some of the American forces. So that tension builds up and they, they put that over there. Yeah. And, okay. And so at the end of it, Peter misses Flash's train. And in his hurry to get there, Gwen Stacy confronts him at Grand Central Station. He's like, what the hell? Did, like, you missed him. He's already gone. And... Why are you wearing that? And he looks down and he's just got dressed really hastily and his shirt's unbuttoned to the to the chest and there's the costume. Oops. And then we skip ten years ahead and Peter and Gwen are a married couple. Um, his friend Harry, whose life went down the shitter after what happened to his dad, um, is, a he- is a heavy drug user and his wife Mary Jane is kind of sick of it. She's a bit she's a bit rich because of the Osborne fortune she married into. She owns a club called MJ's, so they brought that in but earlier in the story and Gwen and Peter are happy as Larry and, 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 you know, but, uh, Gwen's working with, uh, the professor Miles Warren, who was their, their professor in the university. Uh, yes. And they just, it's great because they cover major events. We get the death of Gwen Stacy. We get superior Spider-Man. We get the clone saga, the black suit story. All these things still happen just in very different ways. Hmm. Um, some happen verbatim and the effects of the timeline we're in and where Peter is in, in his life, you know, in his, in his late teens, in his late twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, like that changes how the stories occur. But, oh my God, I don't want to say much more because I I think if anyone wants to check it out, they should, but no, I need to give it a go. It's a cool story on its own. It's extra beneficial if you know the life events like if you know the key events if you're aware of the original clone story if you if you know about miles morales 
if you know about Civil War um, in particular, Craven's uh, 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 Last Hunt, like it, it's these things are still part of the tapestry, but they're now mm. decade specific. And it's cool to see how different ideas come early and others come later based on the setting. That's like, neat. You know, Parker Industries and, and all these things. It's like, okay, that's... Of course that would come in the 80s after he's started a company off the back of working with Reed. And they specialise in communications and adhesives. And they basically make bits and pieces. <laughs> for, they make bits and pieces, hardware and, and software for people. And Tony Stark wants to buy him out and Peter won't let him because... Stark and his buddy Iron Man are, keep, are still funding, are now funding the Gulf War. And, you know, it's like, it's okay. And there's some nice takes on the villains, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I recommend it a lot. Um, and coming up, I've, I've ordered used copies because it's hard to find fresh copies for anything under a non criminal price. Uh, I'm finally going to read through the complete Cullen Bun um, Deadpool run. The, um, okay. the you know, the spin off one that started with Deadpool kills the Marvel universe and, okay, and yeah. run, runs into Deadpool Illustrated, and Deadpool kills Deadpool, which I've already read. It's, t- it's a story of a different Deadpool and it eventually ties into the main version briefly before going back out. Because I, I, you I'd... can't do Deadpool without getting meta. Oh, it gets fucking meta. Like the, ba- the, the, the This is an ongoing series about a Deadpool who longs to die like Deadpool has done in different points of his story. Like he wants to die. And in the first one, he gets brought into an insane asylum and experimented on very uh, covertly by the Psycho Man. Oh. Who unlocks Deadpool's original inner monologue. So the one that existed in uh, X-Force and his first couple miniseries, the Rob Liefeld stuff. The meaner, nastier voice. Mm. And when that voice arrives, the two other speech bubbles we've all got used to, the yellow box and the white box, get murdered. And then this other one comes back and is like, where the fuck have you been? Why did you bury me? It's like, you still, you, you want out of this, right? You have no control over any of this. The only way to get out, you know you're not real, motherfucker. The only way to get out of this is to kill everything. Because they're going to keep buying these funny books and reading them. If the funny books exist. <laughs> so we got to get rid of everything. And they start with the Psycho Man. And then it becomes basically... It's, it's, it's a, a fantasy what-if horror series. Deadpool kills the X-Men. And he kills Spider-Man. And you know, he kills the Avengers. And how does he do it? And it's just... It's a, it's a horror-gore comic with, with a darkly humorous twist. That, yeah. end, that ends with Deadpool going to kill the writers of the book as they're pitching it. Before addressing the audience that he'll see you real soon. And then Deadpool Killstrate comes out, where he's still alive and can't quite understand it. And that's when, I can't remember who, it's like the Watcher or someone basically approaches him and is like, dude, Marvel exists because stories exist. Like, yeah. these, like Thor exists because of Norse mythology. Hercules exists because of Greek mythology. Spider-Man comes from this, this comes from this. So Deadpool goes on a mission to kill the classics. <laughs> and, and it's just and then the third one which I thought was the last one Deadpool kills Deadpool Deadpool of the 616 is approached by a bunch of his alternate universe counterparts some from the Deadpool core comic book series and things like that in a, in a sort of and I think they even addressed that it's basically like a fucked up Spider-Verse event where they go like dude one of us is killing the rest of us <laughs> he's coming here next we have to kill him 
and you suddenly realize, oh, the Deadpool thing I've been reading isn't just a what if kind of story. It's an alternate universe, <laughs> which of course means this Deadpool's coming here because he's figured out that 616 is the publication universe. And he's like, you're here. That's why I'm <laughs> still here. I've got to fucking kill you all. Because like I exist because there are other Deadpools. I didn't realize that there were three follow-ups. Night of the Living Deadpool, Return of the Living Deadpool, <laughs> and Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe again. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward, I'm getting them on the cheap, They're like pre-owned copies for like three, four quid each. I'm like, give them to me. I want to read them. So I'll binge them. Uh, hey, if they're worth it, maybe we'll talk about them this Halloween and do another That's comic fair. book episode. Because yeah. uh, that was a fun one. Um... Yeah, the, the, the first episode of ours to be endorsed by David DeSmolchin. Yay! Um, this week, it was endorsed by Leprechaun 3. <laughs> and going don't up in the you world. forget it. Where can people hear from us and see us, Matthew? Uh, wherever you find dreams. Uh, no, of course. You get this where... You, you know <laughs> this because you're listening to this, but you get this wherever you find podcasts every Friday, every Thursday. You go at Big Damn Cast... On the old Twitter for updates and such, you can get in touch with us on bigdamncontact at gmail.com. You can watch us at twitch.tv forward slash bigdamnstream. And if you are so inclined and you have a bit spare bit of money, you can throw us a couple of quid to keep the lights on at patreon.com forward slash bigdamncast. That's a week, everybody. Until then, follow that creepy voice that leads you into the basement, for there you will find us. Gathered around the dark hole, feeding birds to a rabbit. Ah, yes. Ah, peas. What? Ah, peas. I don't get it. What? You don't have to get it. Okay. Love you. No!